What's up, guys? It's Friday. This is a special Friday edition of Talking Yanks. We had Ryan Rucco join us, and we're not going to do anything else but the Ryan interview. So this is just a quick introduction, just because you got to do an introduction. Cue the song, and then cue the interview. Bing, bam, boom. Let's talk Yanks. Talking Yanks with old John Boy, John Boy and Jake. Recaps galore and weekly awards. Stat lines, steaming hot takes. Your Yankees news with these two fine dudes. It's time for Talking Yanks. Talking Yanks with old John Boy, John Boy and Jake. Talking Yanks with old John Boy, John Boy and Jake. Okay, joining us now, our first reoccurring guest on the podcast, Ryan Rucco, voice of the Yankees, one of the voices of the Yankees, WNBA, NBA, uh, R2C2 podcast. You know who Ryan Rucco is if you're a Yankees fan. So thank you very much for joining us, Ryan. Wait, dude, I'm the first reoccurring guest. This is like a really cool uh, honor for me. Yeah, big, yeah. You're our first reoccurring guest. I like it, man. Very nice. Well, I'm honored to uh, to be the first reoccurring guest, and thank you guys for having me back. Nice. So we're going to get into Yankees, but what are what have you been doing? Um, you did the road trip, but how have you been doing WNBA now? Because NBA is over. But you're yeah, all WNBA. Um, just started, so I've done one broadcast thus far. Have another one next week. Um, I'll do about eight regular season events for WNBA and then a ton of uh, playoffs and then the finals, which will be a little earlier this year. Finals end in mid-September this year. So um, it's like WNBA gets like sprinkled throughout my summer, um, but Yankees is, is what I have by far the most uh, events of in the summer. Nice. Are you are you working with my girl Rebecca Lobo at all? Because I'm, I'm a UConn guy. That's my girl, though. <laughs> okay, okay, it's gonna be like that. All right. <laughs> yes, man. Rebecca is unbelievable. She's. This will be, I think, our. I think this is gonna be our sixth WNBA season together, our sixth finals together. Um, and she's just. She's the best. So it might be it. You know what? Yeah, is it our sixth? I think it is our sixth. Um, she's she's just. She's awesome. She's so fantastic to work with. She's an incredible analyst. And we just have a great time. Like on the road, me, her, and Holly Rowe, we just have a blast hanging out together. It's awesome. So you went to, let's see, were you in the Nationals, those five innings? I'm no, I was, doing, I was doing studio for those games. Oh, yes, I remember now. Okay. So it took you. A, it took a little bit for us to get you on a Yankees podcast. Were you itching? Because uh, or were you trying to stay away? They were slumping. When you finally got to them, they were <laughs> rocking and rolling pretty good. Yeah, man. You know what? It's funny because like beginning of the year, I always like April and then September is always going to be mostly uh, Michael and and Bob Lorenz and Meredith. You know the three roles I fell in for. Because it's like, you know, you're going to use your, your number ones out of the gate uh, and, and down the stretch. Um, so a lot of times, you know, I'm not starting until uh, either late April or early May. But, yeah, this year was more like mid-May. So, I mean, it, it was it was funny because, like, I just was – there were some things even with, like, remembering, like, times for – Clubhouse stuff, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, I gotta re-familiarize myself with all this." But I was excited to get to them because 
I, you know, you know, man, I love the Yankees. I, I grew up a diehard Yankee fan, and it's just for me being associated with them in any way is one of the coolest. Uh, you know, one of my one of my favorite parts of my life, never mind my career. And uh, and the fact that they were like on this historic pace, I was just going and thinking like, all right, bro, don't screw it up. Like they can't <laughs> lose five of six because you will be the reason. You know? So. I was just trying to make sure I brought or I kept some of the good juju going. They uh they rung you dry for all your home run calls too. It was like fourteen or something like that. Holy in six cow, games. man! That's I think they set a record over a five game span. I'm pretty sure. It was it was um, I was keeping a log of it. And it was just nuts. Yeah, it was insane, man. It was absolutely insane. I I mean I just have I had so much fun with that, man. Because also like you know they were hitting they weren't just hitting home runs they were hitting bombs just absolutely unloading on balls um you know there's nothing more fun than that and you know for me like play by play wise the coolest thing is like when you get to call something that gets associated with like a moment or a memory and you know a lot of times in baseball that can be a home run right um and uh maybe it's because of the circumstances in the game or maybe just because the home run is prodigious and on this team thanks to these talented ridiculous hitters like there's a good chance you're going to see a prodigious home run i just happened to get to call quite a few of them over that stretch which is so fun for me yeah i mean well because you become part of the memory like the bird home run versus miller is if someone if a yankee fan says swing and a drive to right that is they know what they're talking about and even on r2c2 uh you had the 2009 guys who they know joe buck's final call for the world series the yankees are back on top yeah so you have uh, testing limits of Safeco Field. That is every Yankee fan knows that one. Thank you, man. I like that. I like yeah. I like some of your strike three calls this series. There's a couple times it was <laughs> it was a little Hulk Harrelson X S where you just were uh, he got him. I like that a lot. You like that? I like and that. Sometimes, thank you, man. Thank you. Um, I have fun with that. I think, and occasionally I'll just be like, "Good night." Like I, uh-huh. sometimes. You know, it, it's, I think some of it's fun for me too, because like, I don't, I don't necessarily have any, you know, phrases at this point that I feel like beholden to. Um, so I just kind of am able to be spontaneous, see if I like things or whatever, you know, and, and, uh, and then, you know, if they, and then use them or not. Um, but like, it's the fun thing is, man, like doing these games the team's so good and the stakes are large because the division race is going to be incredibly tight with the way them and the Red Sox are. So you're geared up for every moment, you know, like mm-hmm. you're, you're legitimately excited for every single moment, which is so much fun to broadcast. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's fun to watch too. It's every game is, you know, I think my, my girlfriend and her family are like, what are you doing in there? Because I'm hooked to, I'm hooked to every pitch. Do you have a um, do you feel like a need or urge to get to find a home run call? Because like you said, you just kind of go and have a bunch of different things, with that, which I like because it seems more just naturally enthusiastic. But I also like yeah. some of the, the set home run calls. Or do you ever feel need need to have uh, Sterling esque type things, or do you, is is it all is it going to be natural? I think that I, I think that if something develops where you're like, oh. I really like that, you know, and that's a, that's a home run call. I really like, um, I think that's great. You know, like I think, I think John Sterling's home run calls. first of all, John's pipes are just unbelievable. I mean, John has like the perfect 
uh, voice for broadcasting. And, you know, so his, his highlight calls are spectacular. And I think his home run call is, uh, is is great and has been for a long time. And it's what I grew up with, right? Like if I'm in the car and I hear, Minnesota, mm-hmm. I'm getting really excited, you know? Um, and, uh, and and I think Sia is an outstanding home run call that Michael has. Like if I come across something at some point that feels like, oh yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, like maybe that will, it will naturally develop. And I do think there's value in it because like there's something fun that fans can associate with it and you kind of just uh, develop identity connected to it and, and fans use it like with them they get connected to the anticipation that comes along with it and, and the excitement so i do think there's value to it if you come up with a good one but i think it has to be organic and you know you do not want to force it um and like for me like when i started and i did like goodbye sir and mm-hmm. i did uh peace a couple times that was actually kind of like natural for me because i had done it just when i was doing like stadium highlights um when i was the in-house host at yankee stadium uh but my uh, but like i never i i never i actually kind of liked peace um because it just reminded me of like being on aim as a you know yeah eighth grader <laughs> uh-huh. or whatever a sophomore in high school um but uh like instead of saying goodbye right you'd say peace yeah um, yeah but I but so I liked peace, but I didn't love it, and I did not love Goodbye Sir by any means. Um, and my boss uh, didn't like either of them. So, <laughs> there you um, go. And uh, so when he was like, you know, I bagged those. It was easy for me to be like, okay, cool, because I wasn't married to them. Um, and what I like about not having a phone call right now. And I think it especially is cool on TV is it gives me the flexibility to be spontaneous, right? Like, because I don't feel like, oh, I have to get to some home run call. Like, which if you have a good one, great. But if you don't, then I think it's much better to be able to just, like, be spontaneous. If you think about it, like, Joe Bucks or Jack Bucks, like, we'll see you tomorrow night, right? Like, some of that's the product of not having a home run call. Yeah. They're able to just be creative like that, right? Like, if, if I you know, go nuts on a, on, a, on a judge blast, like in Texas or Seattle or whatever. I don't, there's no word I feel like I have to say. I can just kind of describe that that moment. Or even like I had fun with Glaber when he's going off like that. Um, you know, just being able, instead of feeling like I have to say like that ball is gone or something like that, just being able to say like, he did it again. You yeah. know, like, you know, that kind of thing. Um which I think in TV can be particularly fun because you're seeing the ball go over the wall anyway. So mm-hmm. I don't necessarily have to tell you that it's gone. Um, whereas on radio you would. So that's a long answer, but I like these kind of things because I'm a total nerd for play-by-play. <laughs> but I think if at some point it develops and it very well may, cool. But if it doesn't, I like the spontaneity of like how it is now. In hoops, man, like I didn't have one for a while and then I, I ended up really liking You Bet. And so that ended up becoming... My thing, and I actually had my boss at ESPN for NBA tell me like, "Hey, like I really like you, Bet. This isn't him talking to me. He's like, why don't you save it for like big buckets? So instead of just like using it, you know, seven or eight times a game, why don't you save it for like the two biggest buckets of the game, or the biggest bucket of the game, or the three biggest moments, which could come at any time, but whenever those are." And I was like, "Yeah, you know what? You're right." So like that one developed naturally, and now I do use it that way. So maybe some point a home run call will develop that way too. You should reach out to you bet chocolate syrup, get a sponsorship. That's what I would do. Oh, 
See, I didn't even know that was a thing. I, I think it's like some really old school chocolate syrup that I've only ever seen in my grandma's cabinet, but it's very good. Wow, I'm gonna Google it right now. <laughs> it's you. It's like the letter U. Bet. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would be. I mean, hey, feels like a perfect sponsorship, yeah, doesn't they, it? You bet. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, here it is. You yeah, bet yeah. syrup. Mm. Yeah, it looks. It looks pretty great, man. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, I've. Uh, that's... I'm gonna forward this to my agents and say like, yo. This is this is uh we need to make this happen. Okay, great. I'll take all the credit for forever and always, but I'm like, That's right, baby. Ten <laughs> percent. Ryan, you you mentioned the spontaneity, and last time we had you on, we talked about some of the quirks you had. <laughs> Your teacher Nancy Morano at spring training. You had the brawl last year. You got Boone's first ejection, and the Yes Crew did awesome with. They had that Boone clip ready to go from his first game, which is just an amazing clip. Talk about that a little bit, and just did. I, I mean, you don't, you can't expect something like that, but I, was that, did you, coming into the series, did you even have something like prepared for something like that? Or how does that go down? I'm so glad you asked this question, bro, because it gives me a chance to highlight one of the real rock stars of our Yes Network TV crew, which is Mike Medvin. Occasionally you may hear him uh, mentioned uh, on the broadcast, but he's our, our tape AD. And he's as good as anyone in the country when it comes to just having that stuff ready to go. So, like, when we're, like, Mike has that ejection filed in his system, Bloom's original ejection, and he knows where it is, how quickly to call it up, and then he sells it to the producer. It's like, yo, I got this. And then the producer decides if you want to roll it in and when. And so when it comes, there occasionally there are things like going into a, uh, uh, a series where um, we will say like, you know, oh, uh, you know, like, hey, let's make sure we have this. Like, for example, I was talking to our guys before the Yankees Royal Series saying like, hey, let's have uh, Salvi Perez smoking that line drive off Chapman in spring training a few years ago, just in case they face each other late in the game, whatever. I can see it coming up. But for the most part, for 98% of it, it's like just Medvin and his crew having it ready to go um, and being aware of what might be useful. And that's like, there's so many layers to what goes into TV production, you know, beyond just like the announcers you hear, um, you know, on the game broadcast. And like, there are a bunch of stars in the truck that, that present the product uh, that you see. And one of them for us is Mike Medvin, who is, just sensational like for example when you see when like let's say david cones mentioning like um the play where al duca had the ball stuck in his glove and then like all of a sudden on the out going to break like we roll that in that's medvin just having that shit having that ready to go like he's just see i'm in r2c2 mode where i can curse you can you can say whatever you want here don't worry okay that's medvin just having that shit ready to go that's he's uh he is um He's that good, man. Okay, does he take requests? Because there's an El Duque clip that I've been searching for for the last five years, and I'm pretty good at digging up old clips and finding them. I okay. can't, I can't find it. So if this ever happens in the game, I, I need you to have him look it up. There is a okay. I'll, I'll text him right now as as you're bringing it up to me. Okay. What is it? So it was a it was a swinging bunt back to El Duque. He um, runs to it's like down the first baseline. And he picks it up on the first baseline and um, just waits for the runner to run towards him. The runner stops running as if to say, no, you come tag me out. 
and El Duque stands there and folds his arms across his chest like a bouncer, and the runner puts his mopey head down, walks to El Duque, and then El Duque just touches him. Got you. Oh, I be, I remember that play. Do you remember who it was against? I want to say White Sox, but I but I don't trust my answer there. Got you. But I'm gonna say, all right, so he wants to know if you have a clip of El Duque running down the first baseline, or running towards first base, I guess, Yeah, right? Yeah, he makes the runner uh, come to him. First base with ball and glove, making the runner come to him. To get tagged out, yeah. After they have a sort of showdown on the first baseline, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, let's see. Maybe he'll he'll answer this in real time uh, during this interview. All right, great. That'd be perfect. I've been yeah. searching for that. Like I I went through El Duque game log. I searched every date, everything, because you know a lot of videos are up there. Two thousand nine further, but that's deeper. But I do. Yeah. I, I'm a history major, and like I enjoy getting into the research and just finding the dark spots of the internet that has weird videos. And I couldn't find that anywhere. So that's be, good. Be, good be careful with those internet dark spots. Uh, yeah. They take you down some questionable places. Yeah. Amen. Put, put, me on, put me on some lists I don't want to be on. Yeah, exactly, man. But I, I'm going to see if Mevin can, uh, can pull it off. But now you guys know, like when you see us roll in one of those old school clips, and you're like, man, how'd they roll that in so quick? Colin was just mentioning that, or whatever. Flaherty was just mentioning that. That's Mevin being probably the best in the country at what he does. Awesome. Good to know. All right, so I wanted to segue into uh, David Cohn anyway because I don't know if that was your first time doing working together, just the two of you, or in any fashion. But it was awesome. I think I, I don't I don't know. I saw nothing but rave reviews for the chemistry you guys had, the fun you were having, the energy. Uh, we're big fans of Coney. We're big fans of you. So, Thank you, man. was that the first time you guys did a game, just the two of you, or is there? A- no, we had, we had done um, we had done. We did the Rays series two years ago, just the two of us in Tampa, when the Yankees got swept and during that series um, made the uh, Miller trade and and maybe the Chapman trade or was it the Beltron trade? I forget. I think Beltron. I think it was Miller and Beltron. It was like right up against the trade deadline um, and they got swept. And it was almost like we went into that series knowing – probably was better for the future of the team to get swept right there you know yeah it was one of the only times in my life i can remember you know doing yankee games and thinking "Mm, yeah it probably is the only time in my life i've done yankee games and thought it is better for the franchise right now if they lose these games because you sort of needed that eyewash push to make it all feel like yes this is the right move you know uh unloading these pieces and obviously it helped shape what is now the beginning of a sustainably successful team um but so we did that series but that was like a ugly series and there wasn't particularly anything memorable on the field other than what was going on trade deadline off the field last year we did four games in seattle together oh so that was and, uh, okay yeah, so and, and we had and we had a blast with that uh we had a we had a really good time and that was when the yankees snapped that string of uh they had lost however many, or they had not won a series and yep. I forget how long it was, but when they, that was, they won three out of four or they won the final game to make it three out of four. And that was the first series they had won. And I think it was like almost two months or something like that. Um, it was like since I like May series against Baltimore. Yeah. It was something yeah. crazy. And it was um, right after the, the trades. And I think yes. CC's birthday start. 
Yes, you're right. That's right. I had to remind him of that when he didn't pitch well in Kansas City. I was like, don't worry, bro. Remember, you did pitch well when I was calling the game last year on your birthday. You threw six shutout innings. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, cool. You're off the hook. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but so, uh, so yeah, um, I we did that series, uh, and we got pretty good feedback. But this year, you know, getting to do six straight games, right, um, and uh, – and having the, I mean, David and I are really close. Uh, I'm, I'm close with a lot of these guys because I've known them since I was 19 or 20 years old when I used to do stats in, mm-hmm. the, in the yes booth, booth, right? But and David and I, like, we always text during the games and stuff, even if we're not working them. Um, and we just, I think we think kind of similarly about the game. Um, we both love Marcus Aurelius and Stoicism. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, and I, I just... I think he is just incredible at what he does. And I think you could put any play-by-play guy with David Cohn, and that play-by-play guy will come off looking better than he normally would because that's how good David Cohn is at what he does. Um, And I just felt like we had a very – like David loves like a conversational flow, you know, and and I think we just had like some great natural baseball conversations that you're capable of having because of how talented and and versatile David is, you know, he can tell stories, he can be humorous, he can be he can he can delve into analytics, he knows how to make it digestible for the viewer, but also knows how to speak to the old fan and the new fan when talking analytics, you know. I think that's um, the biggest thing because we had another game um we had a different uh, the Yankees had a different uh, uh, announcer and I won't who was downplaying analytics and all that stuff. And for the younger audience and the people who are into that, it's like, oh man, it's so much better. Yeah. And Coney is the great example of, he loves the old school way and still like, you know, cherishes it. But he also truly respects and loves the analytics. He like, like he can like both. And I think it's good to have that voice be heard by, you know, the millions that are watching to understand yeah. both are good. 100%, man, 100%. Like the whole idea of this, like, you know, there's a, you know, us versus them, you know, that whole, that whole thing, like, you know, the old school versus new school. No, like, why can't there be a synergy between everything? As David does such a great job of articulating, really what analytics do is they back up sort of the old axioms that were spouted by uh, people in the game for years, like, the you know, he's two, or, um, or like, you know, you know, you're, you're, you're making a lot of hard contact, just getting no results. You know, like the analytics help to back those statements up so that you can say that and have what your eye is seeing then just further fueled by the numbers. You know, I think Vin Scully has a great quote about stats where he says, use them um, as a drunk uses a lamppost for support, not illumination, right? Yeah. Like the, the analytics can still be. Now, sometimes I do think they're used for illumination. But they can still be used as just that support for the person who doesn't even like want to delve fully into them. It's like you just want to say, well, your eye is telling you that, you know, DD has been hitting into bad luck. I don't need the numbers. He's been hitting into bad luck. OK, well, why does it hurt for me to tell you yeah. the numbers that back up what you're saying? You know what I mean? Like it's it. There's no harm in having more information. Um, and David understands that so well. And and. And I love the numbers part of it, too. So I think that's part of the reason why we vibe also. It's because we're both on the same page when it comes to 
uh, that stuff. So I hope we do more games together in the future, man, because I just feel like we had a we had a great flow and vibe and, and you know, and it just like for me, it was it was so, so, so easy working with David. Do you have your next series on the map? Yeah, man, I'm doing um, I'm doing Yankees uh, Tigers doubleheader on Monday. Um, and then I'm doing the two games after that in Toronto. Uh, and, uh, so I'll do four games in three days, the beginning of next week for us. And then my next play by play after that is, uh, I think that 4th of July weekend back in Toronto for three games. And then I have three games in Chicago at the White Sox in August of play by play. Um, and then the rest I have is, uh, um, studio or uh or sideline nice, All right, nice. speaking of sideline you were there for wait no you were doing where was it when you were uh you got the gatorade shower no i was at yeah i was doing sideline at yankee stadium that was uh the neil walker uh walk off hit oh. um yes yeah i did i got dd got me man <laughs> he got me he told me he was trying to too yeah of so course. he mission, mission accomplished well, we'll, 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 we'll start spinning we'll start it to some spinning. of the guys on the team. We'll, we'll start with your dude, the big man. Um, and one of, one of the things that kind of came up when we were thinking about it, like, is it weird calling CC's games? Like, he's your buddy. I know you you mentioned it on the R2C2 podcast when he's doing interviews, worrying about not swearing and stuff like that. Is it kind of weird calling his, his games? It's like your buddy out there. It's, it's – um... It's a little strange calling him Sabathia, you know, like it, that, that part of it is a little weird. Um, but, uh, but it's easy for me to keep it professional and compartmentalize things, right? Like, so when I'm doing uh, a broadcast where he's pitching, I still care far more about doing a good broadcast than I do anything else, you know? Yeah. Um, so then it's just a matter of like, okay, well, well, how do I do a good broadcast, you know? And there's some things that obviously like being as close with CC as I am affords me some useful information that could be disseminated on the broadcast and enhance it. Right. And then there's other things I might know that it's just not appropriate to share um, or, or, or it takes me out of that lane of being, you know, the play-by-play guy and, and instead being like, you know, CeCe's co-host or, or a friend or whatever. So and that stuff, you just kind of keep to yourself. So like my, my whole mentality is like, hey, I think when you have relationships with these guys, it's a great thing because it gives you more information and access and gives you a clear picture of what is or isn't going on. As long as you know, you still have to, you know, keep it totally professional when you're on the air and be honest, you know, about whatever you're seeing. Um, and so I think I can balance that and it's okay. Um, I, you know, I definitely want CC to do well when I'm, when I'm calling his games and I want him to throw seven shutout innings. Um, and, but you know what? Like, I want that for all the Yankees pitchers because I'm calling Yankees games on the Yes Network. and the reality is it's better for all of us if the Yankees are winning, you know? So besides growing up a diehard Yankee fan and besides being friends with CC um, or having relationships with different guys on the team, it's just good for my job if the New York <laughs> Yankees win games, you know? 
Um, and so I always want them to win when I'm calling a game. So, like, yeah, I take a little more excitement or pride if, like, CeCe's having a good start and I'm calling it. But I would be rooting for that, you know, even if we weren't as close as we were, uh, just from the Yankees' standpoint. So the only part that's, like, that's really weird for me is uh, – is calling him Sabathia just because, like, that's not something I ever call him, obviously. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's part of just keeping it professional. And then the other thing is, like, I definitely feel a little more like, oh, man, don't have a bad start with me in the booth because I'm not going to hear the end of it if you do, you know? Like, yeah. So, like, there's, there's a little bit of that, too. Um, and he didn't pitch well in the two games that I – one game he pitched okay in Kansas City. He just – you know, labored a bit and got hurt by his defense, but even for 12 in Texas, obviously. So I was like, oh, man, I'm the bad luck charm there. So maybe that's in my head a little bit. Uh, but gratefully for me, CC doesn't hold it against me. Well, that's good to hear. So we, we had a kind of a question, fun question. We'll see if you have an answer for us. We wanted to know, if you walk through the Yankees clubhouse, is there, a, yeah. is there an, an anything that you can share? Is there an odd couple or a game being played that you wouldn't expect or something that uh, fans wouldn't expect that you can share, like that's going on in the clubhouse, relationship-wise or activity-wise? Hmm. That's, a, that's a good question. Um, is there something like relationship-wise, activity-wise going on in the clubhouse that would be unexpected to people, like a connection that they're like, Oh, that's an interesting friendship, like that type of deal. Yeah. I'll tell you what, you saw it a little bit on the podcast with um, last year we did, but like Hicks and Dee have a very funny relationship. Like they they will rag on each other constantly. Um, they're really close, but they will like they will like debate and argue everything against each other. Like they they love to do that, um, and they love to like just like make fun of each other constantly. I think. Uh, like what would be a funny one that that would be something like that's unique or interesting in, um in, was it in texas i think it was in texas there was a shuffleboard in the middle of the clubhouse and the guys like romine was playing a ton of people in it like like he, he was he was he was trying to crush people in shuffleboard um so that was going on. Wait, that's the one where you with your hand, right? Where you like yeah, yeah, like like the bar yeah. shuffleboard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the bar shuffleboard, right? So Romine was all was all about that man taking people out. You know, I think um, you, you guys probably have an idea, but like Dellen and CC are really really close, and so like Dellen will totally mess with CC about the Warriors because CC is a Warriors fan, so he'll 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 try and light him up about Golden State. At different moments, which can be fun too. Sonny Gray is a, knows more about hoops than you think too. Like if you like, because you haven't necessarily heard him like talk about that, but he knows basketball, um, and so he'll get in the mix with those conversations with those guys too. Um, but like, I mean, honestly, the biggest takeaway I'd say is like, and this isn't me just trying to be like a company man. They're good guys, man. Like they're it's a good group. You don't you don't have any jerks in there you really don't um and and they all get along and cc tells me that constantly he's like man i just love these guys i love these guys i love these guys like we get along so well you know and uh, you know i think maybe people like judge is a leader i don't know if people realize it because he you know, he can be he can be he can be like quiet or reserved with the media and his answers and 
obviously we see that he doesn't like to take any credit, which is uh, admirable. But he also, like, he is a leader who's respected by everybody in there. Um, and Gardy's a prankster. Uh, yeah. He's a total prankster and one of the other leaders. But if you were saying, like, who are the three main leaders in that clubhouse, you'd probably say CC, Gardy, and Judge as those guys who, like, who carry the most uh, the most clout in there. Sure, no, other guess, Judge is really coming along his second season. And part of uh, we talk about it on the show, and I wonder, like, he really was kind of, it seems like he was really adhering to that rookie rule, you know, that keep your head down, do your job last year. And this year he's got a lot more, it's not in your face or negative, but he's got a lot more attitude, a lot more fun. And he's definitely like a leadership. He stands at the top of the dugout, giving high fives to everyone and all that stuff. So I think that's starting to come through and it's fun to watch him grow into that role. Look, you don't get that good at anything without having a little, like, spunk to you, right? Like, you have to have some of that intrinsic swag. Like, yeah, I know I'm good at this, you know? Um, and uh, and Judge definitely has that. Like, he's, he's incessantly, um, you know, polite, and he's incredibly uh, professional, but he definitely is also supremely confident. Uh, and those other qualities may belie sort of the feeling of like, oh, does this dude, you know, know how good he is? But he knows. Um, and, uh, and he works, man. He really works. Uh, so, and the other thing is like, hey, you know, like, I think he's, he's the same way Jeter was kind of funnier than people realized, you know, like judge is funnier than people realize too. I think like, he'll get on these guys. Um, CC was telling the story actually the other day. It was on the beginning of our uh, Carol Owens episode of R2C2, which I should remind people they have to, if they would subscribe when we were a Players Tribune, they got to resubscribe now that we're with Uninterrupted uh, in order to get the updates for the new podcast because now we have the new distributor and Uninterrupted. But so he was telling the story the other day of like CC was like singing some song in, in the dugout and Judge is like, oh, like what's the next line of that song? Like, He's like, oh, it goes like it. He's like, no, keep going. Like, and and he didn't realize like Judge was just totally messing with him to keep singing. You know, like, and, but and so he went on for a little bit before he was like, I went on for like a minute before I was like, oh damn, he got me. Um, but like, but like, so Judge has that in him to be like, you know, to mess with you and be a jokester too. Uh, I I think he kind of is like the best of all worlds. He's a worker. He's a leader. He's respectful. He's polite. He's also like a killer, you know, and, and he and he's also going to protect his teammates. We see him in those brawls. Man, he's got your back if you're his teammate, too. Yeah. And, and the other guy that, I mean, we just have to bring up, and you seeing it live must have been incredible, like Glaber, man. I mean, what what's the vibe in, in the dugout? Like, do guys have their eyebrows up? Like, we're watching something special here? Or, you know, what are some of your thoughts, and what were you seeing from some of the guys on him? Yeah, man, I, I think that dude is just a stud. Um, you know, I, I mean, he's, I don't know, could he already be there? Like, I mean, if you if you were drafting from this Yankee team, like, I don't know, you might take Glaber in the top two picks already. You know, that's how good he is. And, uh, and he, I'll tell you a story. I don't know if I've told you this story before, but I was hosting the, a winter warm-up event uh, the first day that Glaber was in New York, he was 19 years old. First day he'd ever been in New York. It was before last season. It was February of 2017. 
and it was a panel that I was hosting, and it was Starlin Castro, Clint Frazier, Chance Adams, Caprillion, and uh, Glaber. And um, it was in front of a live audience, which I can tell you as someone who will broadcast a game to millions of people, you don't feel that because you can't see them. When you broadcast to a live audience, even if it's 300 people in the crowd instead of 3 million watching on TV, you feel the live audience, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like being a, a, a theater performer versus being like a TV actor, right? Um, and uh, and so even me, when I'm doing those events, it's like a different energy and, it, and it's a little nerves in the beginning or whatever, right? And Glaber was on stage with, uh, with me, you know, I'm asking questions and he had Marlon there, Marlon Abreu, our translator. And Marlon is uh, is talking about, or Marlon's answering, you know, translating and answering the first question. And then during the second one, Glaber starts to answer in Spanish, stops and says, hold on, I want to do this in English. And the crowd cheers. And, and he ended up answering all the rest of the questions that day in English. And it showed me something about his poise and his lack of nerves because that would be a nerve-wracking scene if you're speaking your main language for anybody. For a 19-year-old on his first day in New York with a live audience to be willing to go into his second language and answer questions on stage like that, I was like, whoa, that shows me something about his internal confidence uh, and ability to stay calm. And, and I think we've seen some of those abilities manifest on the field now throughout the season where he just clearly like stays even keeled in the biggest moment and his teammates marvel at his ability. I don't think they realize anybody realized he would have this kind of power and, and he'd be so smooth at second base. You know, even his errors are like these smooth, just cavalier errors, right? Like he, he's just, he looks like a guy who's going to win multiple gold gloves and be a perennial all-star. Like he, he's just that good. And, and I was talking to Brett Gardner about him uh, last week. And Gardy was like, you know, man, it's amazing. Like, when a player comes up here, you're going to, like, observe them. But, like, you you kind of expect at some point, like, okay, they're probably going to need to go back down, refine some things, come back. He's like, with this dude, there's no adjustment period whatsoever. Just, like, come up, fit right in, contribute right away. Like, crazy that there's no adjustment period at this age. And I think that's kind of what all his teammates are seeing with him. Yeah, he's incredible. I don't know if you've seen in some of his post games, Meredith or you know um, the crew will ask him a question. He'll start answering it, and then he'll get a little stuck. And instead of having telling Marlon what he wants to say, he will ask, "How do you say this?" And then the uh, translator Marlon will tell him how to say it in English, and then he will say yeah. it. So he's like learning on the spot. I don't think any player like needs to learn English. You know, it's fine. No. But it's amazing that he is so adamant about it, right? And like, you know, even in the moment, like learning right in front of us, it's pretty impressive. It is. And he, he you know, I, I talked to him about it earlier uh, this year in spring training, and he was just talking about, you know, he wants to be able to express himself to English speaking fans and, uh, and to the media uh, as a leader, you know, and, and that's why he thought it was important to him, which I thought was really cool. And you're right. You don't have to, you don't have to at all, but the, but just the fact that he's – forget that it's even like him speaking English. Let's just take it as an activity that is not the most natural thing that you're learning and could be uncomfortable. And the fact that he's willing to do it in front of people, like, uh, you know, with the lights on and all that, shows you 
kind of the the bravery that's within him and his poise for potentially nerve wracking moments. Yeah. All right, we have one more topic or, or line of question or question I want to ask. And yeah. it op- I first have to find out, were you with the team for the night at the airport? Not in D.C. I was, uh, in a, I was with the team on the flight back. Oh, okay. Because I heard both yeah. your buddies, CeCe said it was his, the worst night of his professional career. And yeah. they asked David Cohn about it. And I thought, you know, we were going to get some jokes. And he kind of buttoned up and said the players rep and me came out. That was not a fun night, so I was going to see and get some in, <laughs> get some insight because they both seemed very unhappy with it. Which yeah, I mean, man, right. I I, uh, I think I missed the first night, um, but I know uh, I know CC wasn't wasn't thrilled with how things went when they had to stay in the airport, um, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I didn't, I didn't hear him blame anybody. He was just like, "Yeah, that, that was awful." And, I, I, and then, he, and then, and then, I think he did reveal that he stole the blanket from Glaber Torres, which he had told me about. That he did. Um, but and then he was just sleeping on the floor in front of his seat on the plane. You know, some of those guys like actually they're like, "Yeah, they went on the plane, they slept six hours, they woke up, and it was kind of like trippy." I think someone was going to mess with Cece and tell him they were in Kansas City. And then somebody blew it. Like, I forget who was going to, because he was out. And somebody, was, they were going to be like, oh, we got a Kansas City. And then somebody blew it, but I forget who blew it. Um, and, uh, and yes, I don't want to go into detail, but we definitely, since David already said it publicly, we did see the player rep in Coney. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, but I think it was to uh, a lot of our benefit. Um, and I could tell you, like, there's a variety of times in my life now where I've experienced David Cohn, the leader, and you fully understand why his teammates love him and loved him the way that they did. And, you know, it's why all of us love him the way that we do. That man will literally stand up for and uh, do whatever he can uh, to, like, protect and accommodate his teammates. Uh, and. And we did see some of that come out. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Well, we, we we broke that airport down. It had to be like age and size, and CC doesn't have either of those on his side to spend a night not in a bed. Right. Exactly. Like there are certain things when you're younger, you probably are like, oh, okay, it's you know, it's a fun story, and then you're older, and you're like, yeah, no, you know what? Like, I don't think so, bro. You know, <laughs> like it's like it's kind of like for me, like I this is. I don't know if this is going to sound bougie, but like I, this is, this is one area where I like observe my own maturation in this sense. I'm 31 now. Right. But, um, there was a time when I would have been totally cool with like, Hey, you know, someone has a bachelor party, we're going to Airbnb and we're all going to share, uh, you know, bedrooms and chat and bathrooms and whatever. And it's cool. Like that we have two bathrooms for, and guys, like, who cares? Like, we're just having a great time. It's a great story, right? Um, and that's not why we're there anyway. And now I'm like, you know what? Like, this feels, like, grimy, and I don't want to party bad enough to make that okay. Like, can I stay by myself in a hotel room and, like, meet up? You know, like, I, I, I when you get older, you get a little more particular about the things you need. Um, so I'm sure Cece has part of that going on. As well. I also, I, I could break this news uh, about um, CC. He loved Solo. Um, <laughs> and 
and he saw it before I did. Um, and I, and, and because of it, he's now like, he's asking me all about, like, he's getting back into like the animated series, like Clone Wars, Rebels and stuff. So like, I think like, who knows, but the Star Wars aspect of our R2C2 podcast could, could grow even further after this. Uh, I, I love that. I, I geek out over that stuff and I, man, I, Jimmy had to put the restraints on me a little bit because I'm an NBA guy too. I had a bunch of Donovan Mitchell questions I want to ask you. I had solo questions I want to ask you, but you were you've been raving about solo the pet uh, on Instagram at least Instagram. That's what I call it. But uh, is it the juice is worth the squeeze? Dude, solo is great. Like yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. Is it great in the sense of like oh, it's like Empire Strikes Back, epic movie? No, like, but is it is it super fun and enjoyable and like will you get a kick out of it absolutely like there's no way you're going to be like whoa that sucked there's no chance if you're if you're even a remote star wars fan you're going to be like yo that was really fun and like there was cool like nods to things in the past and honestly i think that kid i don't know how old he is but the dude who played han nailed him i thought he was fantastic which was so great considering that there was all this talk about like oh can he act can he act which uh, one of my buddies he made a great point the other day he said you know if this was 15 years ago like this movie would have had a totally different feel going into it and it probably would have done you know even better at the box office and the vibe would have been totally different because you wouldn't have heard about like oh did they bring in an acting coach you know for the kid who was playing Han and like oh they switched directors two-thirds of the way through. And I think those things took away some of the steam and, like, lowered the expectations significantly because it's like, oh, my gosh, like, they, they just want to get this out. But, like, honestly, it I thought it was really good, man. I thought it was really, really enjoyable, and they did a great job with the story and the character. Like, it's not as epic as, as an episode feels or as Rogue One felt because that was almost like a prequel, but it's fun and it's good, and, like, I... I don't know, man. I just think they did a really nice job with it. And I could see them making more movies with these characters. Yeah, and I, I had one of those shower thoughts this morning where I was like, man, this Han is such like an important character. I know that's obvious if you're a Star Wars person, but like, you know, Luke's Luke's somewhat the hero, Princess Leia, Obi-Wan's the mentor, Yoda, all those guys. But Han is this unique, chippy, kind of bad guy, kind of a good guy who's a great guy in the end. So I'm I actually haven't seen it yet, but I mean, to carry the way Han acts or, well, when Harrison Ford did it, I mean, that's, that's a huge, that's a daunting task. So I'm, I'm all jazzed up. I'm probably going after this. 100% man. It, and it's a daunting task. Cause it's not just, you're not just like playing a, a role that has a ton of attention because it's star Wars, or whatever, right? You have to play it. That in a way that also honors the way that Han played it, right? Like, it's not just your own interpretation, it's living up to his interpretation, which is why I often think that the performance Robert De Niro gave in um, Godfather 2 is one of the greatest of all times, because it's hard enough to play a young Vito Corleone, but then you also have to play it in a way that properly honors how... Marlon Brando played in Godfather 1 and somehow De Niro just knocked that out of the park probably because he's De Niro but I but like yeah man I you gotta go see it bro you're gonna I would be surprised if you're not at least like whoa that was fun like if you if you hate it 
or something, I think that's a you problem, man. <laughs> if you really hate it, it's a you problem. But I can see your 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 lowest case in it, your worst case scenario is walking out of there like, you know what? That wasn't great, but that was good and that was fun and I liked it like that. That's your worst case scenario. Uh, I'm I'm an entertainment guy. You start talking Goodfellas in that movie row. I mean, Jimmy Jimmy could go all year with that stuff. He's he's got he's he's got a movie podcast going. So we're this is a slippery slope right now. We might have to bring it back. Oh, oh, we'll have to oh boy, we'll have to table it for uh, another time. But we really appreciate you coming on. We'll let you go. We've uh, been keeping you. Hey, I'm happy to do it, guys. Uh, keep up the good work and uh, and uh, let's go Yanks. Yeah, go Yanks. All right, thank you so much for coming on, everybody. Thank uh, go thank Ryan on Twitter. Say thanks. R two C two. Check it out. Any big guests yeah, coming check up? Check it out. You know what? Um, uh, we're gonna do. We, we're gonna do. So right now, you can go back and listen to the Mark Cuban episode, Terrell Owens, Chauncey Billups, and we're we're gonna do one with uh, a couple of CC's teammates. Um, uh, this coming series in Toronto. Uh, so I think that'll be out next Thursday. Uh, but I won't reveal which teammates yet. But I think that'll be fun and get us back into the, the baseball swing of things. And then we have some other good ones coming uh, as the summer goes along as well. So um, I think the uninterrupted platform is going to be really good for us and our guests and, and the, the kind of people we uh, are going to be able to pull. Um, so it should be pretty fun. And we'll obviously still have all the Yankee aspects, the teammate aspect of it too. So you're calling the game, the doubleheader in Detroit Monday? Yes. So I know that Eminem was your, your white whale for CC oh, to get you. Man. Yes, but unfortunately we're not in Detroit long enough to make that happen. Oh, okay. um, but don't worry, I'm, I'm not letting them off the hook. Okay. Still- <laughs> Good. All right, I'm looking forward to that one. As a, yeah, I like Eminem. <laughs> so- <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Me sure. too, as a stand. I like yeah, it. yes. All right, thank you very much for coming on and talking with us. All right, be well, guys. You thanks, too. Ryan. Okay. That was good. That was uh, though. Yeah. So, uh, thanks, Ryan. Do we do post game, post interview thoughts? That, that went long. He's yeah, awesome. I mean, he, yeah. I'm 29, you're 28, he's 31. The fact that he is doing the Yankees games is amazing, and everything else he does, like to be that successful, is crazy and so friendly. Like, he. Just say, hey, would, do you mind coming on? And he's like, I'd love to, and he's all energetic. Good guy. It's, it's like three three Italian boys just talking Yanks at happy hour, a little Star Wars, a little this, a little that. I'm glad you were here to carry the Star Wars talk. Yeah, I know. You would have been in a tough spot there. <laughs> it's like <laughs> they got nothing for you. That was good. All right, well, thanks for listening. Uh, was this a bonus pod? Have you decided in your head? Yeah, 50 minutes. Yeah, bonus. Yeah. yeah. But I'll probably release it. Patrons today, listeners tomorrow. Ooh, like that. Like that. All right. Cool. Thanks. I got to, uh, yeah. Thanks. Bye, guys. Oh, Yankees.